You could be anywhere doing anything, but you're hanging out with us, and we appreciate that. So wherever you're listening and however you're listening, we appreciate you guys for listening. And with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another exciting episode of the Game Plan Podcast. Alex Goodwin is my name. You can follow me on Twitter at Alex Goodwin TSM. Again, it's on Twitter at Alex Goodwin TSM. That's T as in tacos, S as in sangria, M as in margaritas. Kennedy Miller. Yes, sir. Where can they find you on Twitter? Find me on Twitter at underscore Kennedy Miller underscore and underscore Kennedy as in the former president, John F. And the former wrestler, Mr. Kennedy, Kennedy Miller underscore. All right. All right. That sounds great. And big announcement. We are adding to the team. We are pulling up a third chair here on the Game Plan Podcast with one of the brightest sports minds that we know. So introducing Aaron Okado Fua. Aaron, introduce yourself to the people. Let them know who you are. All that good stuff, my man. Floor is yours. It's good, Alex. It's good, Kennedy. Thank you guys for having me on, man. I really appreciate it. Uh, what's up, y'all? My name is Aaron. A-A-R-O-N. Yes, A-A-R-O-N. For those of you who've already said the joke in your head. Uh, last name, Okanofua. O-K-O-N-O-F-F and Frank U-8. And you can find me on Twitter at chill underscore bill two underscores. Again, that's chill as in chill out underscore bill as in bill cosby two underscores wow you starting off a little bit controversial but speaking of controversial we're gonna switch gears into the nfl giraffe and the san francisco 49ers the 49ers traded up i believe it was three first round picks and a third round pick to move to the third spot in the draft where they are going to take a quarterback they're not thinking about Trey Lance. They are not thinking about uh, Justin Fields or Zach Wilson. They are infatuated with one Mac Jones. And all the words, all the indications from Adam Sheffer that just came out today, they're going to take Mac Jones with the third pick, sit him for one year, and keep Jimmy Garoppolo as the starter and have him groom Mac Jones to be his successor. Now, guys, I'm going to say this. For as much as we call Kyle Shanahan a genius, and Kyle Shanahan is, you know, a brilliant play calling all this, that, and the third. Can we get a drug test for Kyle Shanahan? Can we make sure he's not freebasing heroin in his office? Can we make sure he ain't got a size 36 belt wrapped around his arm? Because he got to be on drugs. Mac Jones over Justin Fields? Can, can, I need a second to gather my thoughts. Can you help make sense out of this for me? Please help me out. I can't. I can't explain taking it over Justin Fields. Um, I I do understand the trading up. I do understand not believing not believing in Jimmy Garoppolo, who's only played a full season one time in his career. And I do think looking at the situation that San Francisco's in amid these Deshaun Watson rumors that you know we'll talk about next, but they need a quarterback, and I, I think they feel that they're a team that's a quarterback away from being a Super Bowl contender again, because even though Jimmy Garoppolo got them there, I don't think that they fully trust him, number one, to be healthy, and number two, when he got in the Super Bowl, or I'm sorry, the NFC Championship before that, he threw eight passes. So that shows me that you don't trust your guy, and um, Kyle Shanahan is a guy that I've, I've read about that knows that he's the smartest guy in the room. Reared its ugly head when you talk about the the Patriots uh, coming back on the Atlanta Falcons, was it 27-3? 
or whatever the deficit was. Uh, part of that, or part of part of that was play calling by Kyle Shanahan, and I, I think this is another time trying to prove people, pr- prove to people, hey, I can I can do something that people are uh, weary of or they don't trust. I can get this guy that nobody's really talking about instead of getting somebody that seems more like a surefire pick, and I can turn him into a really good quarterback. And so, you know, Mac Jones like had 41 touchdowns last year, four picks, played with some great receivers, uh, just like Tua did, just like Joe Burrow. I think the, the main thing that's helping Mac Jones is the receivers are speaking so highly of him, saying that they would play with him over Tua. That being said, I don't think there should be any way that he is going in the top three of this draft. When, when we were watching college football throughout the season, he was like a late first, early second pick. It's amazing to me how people's draft stock rises when they're not playing games versus every Saturday when the games are on and you're actually watching. And you're saying, oh, Justin Fields looks like Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence, and then it's everybody else. Now it's Trevor Lawrence, Mac Jones, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, and Justin Fields is somewhere in there. I, I totally don't get it, but that's just me. So you would think a guy like Justin Fields in that zone stretch offense with that with those play action bootlegs built in, you would think a mobile guy like Justin Fields would be perfect for that because we saw in 2012 when Robert Griffin ran that same offense before Mike Shanahan and Kyle Shanahan ran RG3's leg into a nub. It was magic. It was perfect. You meld that zone stretch system with some of those spread option principles, and you always have to account for the quarterback on the bootleg. Magic. It was perfect. It worked, right? But like you said, Kennedy, I think Kyle Shanahan wants to prove that he is the smartest person in the room, that he can make do with anybody. And I think there's something to that with a guy like Mac Jones, because I would argue in a lot of ways Mac Jones is a product of the great talent around that was around him at Alabama. And I'm going to make a metaphor right mm-hmm. here, so I need you fellas to stick with me right quick. So y'all remember in like 2007, 2008, 2009, when all you had to do to get a hot joint was get T-Pain on the hook or get Lil Wayne to throw a verse on there, right? Correct. Think about how many songs all we stayed for was a T-Pain hook or the Lil Wayne feature. Like, uh, Duffel Bag Boy, that was from Player Circle, right? Mm-hmm. Do any of us remember what 2 Chains or Dollar Boy said on Duffel Bag Boy? Do any of us remember? No. no. Wayne was so good. Wayne was so on fire. Wayne was in such a zone. All you needed was Wayne to get on there. If I don't do nothing, I'm a ball. I'm counting all day like the mm-hmm. clock on the wall. And I have a banging beat, and that can take you wherever you need to go. Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, Najee Harris, all of them, Steve Sarkeesian calling the plays, that's the equivalent of like Lil Wayne and T-Pain at that era. All you needed to do if you if you were the just the, the main artist was not mess it up, right? All Mac Jones had to do was get on there and not say something crazy and not do nothing crazy. You just be you and you got a hot record. And now, and think about how many times we were kids did we buy albums based off that one song with the Lil Wayne feature and get to the album and the album was trash. How many times we get disappointed? We we like, oh yo, because I bought that Player Circle album. I bought it. <laughs> off the strength of Duffel Bag Boy. I got that damn album and I was disappointed like hell. 
Mac Jones, I think, is going to be that first player circle album. That's really what I think he's about to end up being. Like, to be honest with you. And another point I just thought about. And then, Aaron, I'm going to get to you. They traded up three number, three first-round picks and a third for a dude that's not going to play next year. You trade up three first-round picks and a third for a dude not named Trevor Lawrence. Because that's the only dude I'm trading that much for. Like, you're mortgaging the future for a guy that we're not sure about yet. The only, like, surefire thing in this draft is Trevor Lawrence. If I was going to give up that amount of, like, draft capital... I better be able to get a dude that's like a once-in-a-generation talent. And I'm sorry, does Mac Jones seem to you, Aaron, like a once-in-a-generation talent? And I'm going to hand it off to you. Uh, no, he, he does not seem like a um, once-in-a-generation talent at all. He doesn't seem – he seems pretty stereotypical to me for a quarterback. Uh, pocket passer, not really athletic, doesn't really go out of the pocket too much. But, you know, as we're talking about this, as, as crazy as this may seem, to, to double down on what you're saying, in Alabama, all he had to do was kind of just, you know, manage, essentially. He had the weapons around him. He had the cheat code to the test. Just circle the right dot and you'll be all right, you know? So I feel like what if, you know, like you guys said, Kyle Shanahan is clearly thinking he's the smartest man in the room, or Mike Shanahan clearly thinks he's the smartest man in the room at all times. So, what if he's like, this guy is just more than, you know, just a regular old game engine. He's an elite game engine. All he has to do, what if we can get a guy who we know is not going to mess up? You know, sometimes you take, a, you take a chance on a quarterback and you know, or you have the, the chance that he might be good, he might be bad. What if you can get a guy that you knew was going to be solid, for sure, guaranteed 100%, and you had a very good team around you already? But I think they tried that already with Garoppolo and it didn't work because you could tell Shanahan tried to make it as such to where Jimmy Garoppolo had to do nothing but throw the dudes that were wide ass open. Right. And anytime like Jimmy Garoppolo had to make a play outside of the structure of the offense, like in the two minute situation, where you need Jimmy Garoppolo to clearly take you down the field, get you in field goal range or to score a touchdown to win the game. Could Jimmy Garoppolo do that when it mattered? And the answer to that was no. Right. Like Mac Jones really didn't run into too many of those situations at Alabama this past year because they were just better than everybody and blowing everyone's doors off. Like to my recollection, they played two close games. That's it. But we don't know if Mac Jones can do that either. And also, I think um, I'm very weary of quarterbacks who only started one year. Right. Like I go back to thinking about dudes like Mark Sanchez or, you know, Mitch Trubisky, and Trubisky wasn't, you know, the biggest issue with Trubisky, in my opinion, was Trubisky was sitting behind a dude that ain't none of us ever heard of, right? Mac sat behind Jalen Hurts and Tua Tagovailoa. But, you know, still, do you have enough, like, in-game live reps to be ready to play in the NFL? I don't know. And as much as quarterbacks are inexact science, as with, you know, all of the drafts in any sport. A dude like Mac Jones, I think this is a pick that can get Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch fired in like three years. To to your point, Aaron, about could he just be a game manager? I think I think if that's if that's the goal for them, that's fine. If that's the goal for them, then you shouldn't have to trade three picks to get a game manager. At I three. agree. At three, you're getting 
a franchise guy. I think you could, if, if Mac Jones is what you think he is and he has limitations of what you think he is, then he should be in the teens where they were, if I'm not mistaken, where they at 13? I think 12. Um, they were, okay, at 12. Then he should be at, at 12 to be that game manager for you guys. My thing, my personal question with it would be how many strict pocket passers are having good NFL years nowadays. Like, it'd be different if he was coming out late 90s or early 2000s. You're looking for strict pocket passers. But, but literally everybody that's having success as a, at, at the quarterback position right now is somewhat mobile. Even Joe Burrow last year was mobile before he tore his knee. The I mean, probably what the least athletic guy we got now is what Tom Brady and what Phillip Rivers called it quits. Drew Brees called it quits. But I don't... I, it's not really anything going on for any strict, you know, pocket passing guy. There's only two of them I can think of that have come into the league since 2007 that are that have had good to great careers. Mm-hmm. Matt Stafford and Matt Ryan. That's mm-hmm. it. Because Blaine Gabbert didn't work out. Sam Bradford didn't work out for a number of different reasons. Go down the list. Pocket. Yeah, I was going to say Matt Stafford can move a little bit. Yeah, he's, he's got a, he's got he's got a little mobility too. I, I mean, like Alex said, like post two thousand seven, like that prototypical six five two twenty white quarterback, strong arm. That's kind of gone out the window if you can't at least run like a four six four seven. Yeah, because now so many college offenses are being implemented in the NFL. Like we're not looking just for that a shotgun do that like you got to be able to do a read option you got to be able to do all this stuff because it just adds more variation to your offense and so like alex said literally almost everybody that's been touted as that next guy with that build since 07 08 what matt ryan is the only one he's got an mvp with kyle shanahan so maybe he sees mac jones as like a, a matt ryan but maybe a slightly higher ceiling because he's getting them at a younger age who knows we got to leave it right there, but we will be right back with more of the game plan podcast coming up next. We're going to discuss the Deshaun Watson allegations and what that means for his potential trade value. All that and more on the other side of the break. Don't go anywhere. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Game Plan Podcast. Alex Goodwin is my name. You can follow me on Twitter at Alex Goodwin TSM. Again, that's on Twitter at Alex Goodwin TSM. That's T as in Tangare, S as in soccer, M as in mother. Kennedy, where can they find you on Twitter? Find me on Twitter at underscore Kennedy Miller underscore again underscore Kennedy as in the former NFL football player Cortez Kennedy and Miller as in the former NBA Hall of Famer Reggie Miller underscore Kennedy Miller underscore. All right. And where can they find you on Twitter, my man? 
What's up, guys? You guys can find me on Twitter at chill underscore bill two underscores. Again, that's chill as in chillax underscore bill as in bill belichick two underscores. Uh, all right. All right. Switching gears here to something much more serious and much more, you could say, depressing. There's no other way to say this, but Deshaun Watson appears as if he's in a whole lot of trouble. At the moment, we are up to 22 civil lawsuits against him. And these range from various, I guess you could call them accusations, varying from sexual indecency, such as, you know, indecent exposure, all the way up to sexual assault. The NFL is investigating and two criminal complaints have been filed with the Houston Police Department. Uh, So, Aaron, first off, you know, just what is your, I guess you could say, first reaction to, you know, what's going on with Deshaun Watson? And how do you think this will all eventually play out as far as the NFL is concerned? So um, my initial reaction was, was kind of in hindsight, looking at what was going on prior to the first uh, the first story coming out. There's a lot of uh, back and forth with Deshaun Watson and whether he was going to stay or not. And, uh, Deshaun had made it very clear that he didn't want to stay. And, you know, usually when someone says shortly after, maybe a week or so, this was almost a few days later, these stories start to drop. And I felt that was very, um, that was very, that was very weird for the timing. But I've learned in this day and age that you cannot question these things because you never really know what's going on. So, you know, I didn't want to be like, oh, this is just a, a, a character assassination, brain job. You know, deep down, that's what I felt like. But I felt like maybe I should just gather some more information and see what's going on, get some more facts. And now, as the facts continue to pile on, it, it's not looking good at all. They're starting to show face, and the stories are matching. And they're not just matching as if they're scripted. They're, they're unique in their own ways, but they match in their own ways, if that makes sense. And that just doesn't bode well for a prominent black athlete that is um, receiving these type of massages or stretches um, without other people there, without any type of um, security or whoever would be there for that type of situation. It just doesn't look good. Um, I definitely see the NFL looking deeply into this. Uh, they have to start taking matters like this more seriously, especially over the past few decades. Uh, you know, the uh, women have felt like the NFL has, has failed them in some in some situations. We can all agree they, they may have failed them in a situation or two. So uh, I, I'm very certain that they're going to look at this very seriously, uh, try to figure out what's going on or get some more information. Um, yeah, this just... You know, you know what they say when where there's where there's smoke, there's fire, and this is a lot of smoke. This is a hot box. This is not looking good. So, I totally agree with Aaron. I think, you know, especially you know, prominent African American athletes. When you look, he had no previous criminal history. You know, he just seemed like, and he, he still could be. I don't want to make it seem like he's he's just not, but. He was an upstanding citizen, a, a great young player in the NFL, and definitely a franchise guy for the city of Houston. And all of a sudden for him to request a trade because he does not like how management was treating the organization and how the organization was trending, all of these things to come out so quick. It, it, you know, the first couple, it was like, okay, like, we ain't stupid. 
you know, we know we know what you're trying to do, Houston. You know, pay some women to come out and say that this man is messing with them. But like like you and I were talking about a couple of minutes before we started, Alex, it's a lot of smoke for there to be no fire. And I, it's gotten to the point where, you know, I, I thought it was, I, I will say I thought it was fake at first, but now it's like I'm more leaning towards the Texans knew about all of this and maybe decided to cover it up because he was their franchise guy and kind of use it as leverage to what they're doing now in case he did demand a trade like he's doing to now leak this information. Because if I'm not mistaken, isn't the, the person bringing these charges neighbors to the Texans general manager? I believe so. so. It, right. It, it just all felt like, you know, such a coincidence. But you hear it like Aaron was saying, you hear these stories, you hear that, it, and it'd be different. It'd be different if they were all in the same, worked at the same place. These are all different places, all different women. The article that I read, it was from a woman that wasn't even involved in the lawsuit. She was just sharing her side. It was another woman came out today. I didn't even, I didn't even look at that because it, it just all kind of gets definitive at some point. But it's like, goodness gracious, man. Like, where, like at first it was like, oh, well, they're just trying to hurt his trade value. But now it's like, I'm really, you know, wondering, is this man, like, does he have problems? So this is going to be an interesting person to use as an appeal to some sort of authority here. But sometimes you can get profound quotes from just about anybody. Right. So I'm going to invoke the ever controversial Lil Boosie. Now, there might be some people who going to cut this podcast off right now. At the mention of Lil Boosie. And to be real with you, I kind of don't blame you. But I once heard Boosie say this. He said, if they say, you know, you're out here in these streets, I'm going to assume you out here in these streets. If they say you shot and robbed 10, 15 people, you killed at least three or four. So as it refers to Deshaun Watson, if 20, 21, 22 women are saying you've behaved improperly in various different ways, in varying degrees, there's a good chance you've engaged in some improper behavior along the way because all these people would not be saying the same sort of things about you if you aren't right and for me i want to talk about like the idea that the, like the, that the texans were putting this some of this stuff out if they were that's the craziest thing i've ever heard because if the texans put a few people up to these lawsuits even two or three right you have one complaint against you that's good enough to get you suspended. You can ask Ezekiel Elliott that. You can ask Ray Rice that. You can ask Junior Gallette that. You can ask a whole lot of people that. Antonio Brown. Just one allegation of domestic abuse is enough to get you suspended, let alone six or seven. And if you're the Houston Texans, why on earth would you want that type of black cloud around your franchise? you got corporate sponsors. you got corporate backers. You know, once the NFL gets involved or possibly the police gets involved, Deshaun Watson will get suspended. You're going to have a national organization of women and the Women's Domestic Violence Coalition outside the building protesting, right? So that's why to me, it was like, like the idea that the Texans put some of these people up to this. That's why that sounded kind of crazy at first. I'm like, they stand to lose more than he does, to be honest with you. But it sounded more and more like he's behaved in some sort of way improperly because I think something that's, I think, lost in some of this you know, professional athletes get massages, you know, all the time, right? You know, sometimes you try to find, I think 
the way some of us treat barbers when we go to a new place or go to a new city is the way some of these athletes treat, you know, massage therapists or new trainers or new, you know, things like that to help them perform as best as they can on the field, right? Most times when they're trying to make consultations or trying to make overtures to uh, new trainers or new therapists or new barbers or new anything, right? That is done through a representative, through an agent, through a quarterback coach, through an assistant, through a manager. There's some sort of barrier to the athlete. There's some sort of barrier to the star in question. From what I know, and Kennedy can speak a little bit more to this, Deshaun Watson, as some of the lawsuits show, allegedly is reaching out to some of these women directly on Instagram. That's what? weird. That's really odd because most times that gets set up through some proper channel. And most times they want somebody there just in case somebody wants to claim something has gone wrong or, you know, make an accusation. There's someone else there in case of a he said, she said. He's like, yo, I don't want anybody else there but you and me. Like, who else would like. I ain't saying he didn't do it. I ain't saying he did. Most people would not take a chance such as that when you are who he is. Does that make sense? All of these women have kind of said the same thing about him hitting them up in Instagram and in the direct messages and DMs. And to be honest, I mean, he hit up my cousin. My cousin is a stretching. Uh, she does like a lot of stretching exercises and posts a lot of uh, videos on YouTube. I mean, on YouTube, but on Instagram doing fitness and things like that. And he DM'd her, asking to work with her, which is normal, whatever. And at that point, she was trying out to be a cheerleader for the Texans, so they, they couldn't have any contact with the players. She let him know that. He said, uh, no problem, we'll just play it by ear. Not really tripping about it. It was like, at that point, like, I might want to get the cheerleading thing and just go work with him. With all this new news that's coming out, it's like, that's, that's very interesting because all of these massage therapists he either hit up before or after the massage. Kind of like you said, Alex, not saying that he did do it, not saying that he didn't do it. Um, it's just a weird, weird turn of, it's a weird uh, series of events that are going on as far as him demanding a trade, all of this information coming out. And um, yeah, uh, I really I really feel bad because he's a, obviously he's a hell of a quarterback. He's a hell of a quarterback, but before that, you're a man, you're a human being, and other human beings have the right to feel comfortable around you. So, Yeah, and I was going to say, I think something else I find, I guess, not interesting, but you guys are familiar about the uh, accusations against T.I. and Tiny that are, that are a bit similar, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah. about, you know, when those broke in January, there was a cascade of people like, yo, I know for a fact T.I. and Tiny did it. Blah, 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 right? Again, we haven't heard T.I. and Tiny side of the story, anything like that, right? But when it came to Deshaun, some of these same people were, you know, pleading to, you know, let the legal process or the civil lawsuit process play out and things like that so for me it was interesting who people are willing to give that benefit of the doubt to and make that appeal to the legal process to when we have the same amount of evidence and all we have in both cases is mere allegations right and Correct. a multitude like in the dozens saying similar things about saying similar things in both cases right again I ain't saying Deshaun Watson did do it. I ain't saying T.I. and Tiny did.
did it. That's just something to, you know, consider. And I'll switch it up a little bit for a second here. And I'll ask you guys this question. Is it just me or does no one else think this will affect his trade value? Because I've seen dudes come back into the league after, you know, doing a 30-day bid in jail for vehicular manslaughter. We, like, we saw Kareem Hunt kick some girl in the face. And he got another shot. We saw, like, Junior Gallette beat some woman with a belt. And he got on somewhere else, right? Like, I don't think this affects his trade value a bit. I mean, he may end up on somebody's exempt list for like five or six games. He might end up suspended for a couple of games in a year or so. But I don't think this stops him from, you know, people still going to trade three first and a third for that dude. So I agree. I don't think it's going to affect his trade value whatsoever. Um, just just being truthful, you know. Um, of course, I am a fan of Deshaun Watson. Um, so... This, this, these allegations really are all wild, but I'm a fan of him because he is a great quarterback. Like Kennedy was alluding to earlier, he's a, he's a top five quarterback in the NFL at the age of 25, so which is, you know, not normal at all. <laughs> so seeing that, I feel as if a lot of teams are going to look at that and be like, okay, well, he's young, he's good, he's, he's really good, actually, and he's really young. So, no, I, I want that. I need that at my quarterback position. He makes plays, you know? So, if this, uh, depending on how this goes, man, if this starts to get worse and worse, then yeah, I think it might affect the trade value just for a matter of like impeding evidence just looking really, really bad. But um, if this kind of, you know, stays on a streamline, it doesn't really, you know, fluctuate too much. I do not think it affects the trade value at all. I think there are too many teams out there that having the opportunity to have him, they, they want that. They need that for their franchise sake, as a matter of fact. It, it happens all the time, at least in my perspective, where it's like, no, nah, no team will take this guy after this. And lo and behold, a team will be desperate enough to pick said guy up, you know, whether it be the Cowboys, you know, picking up Randy Gregory and, Pac-Man Jones, and then, you know, how many teams taking a chance on Josh Gordon, the Bucks taking a chance on Antonio Brown, all this stuff. If somebody is good enough, then the question always, you know, arises, it, will their talent match their uh, off-the-field issues? And especially with a quarterback, a guy who can literally change the direction of a franchise, you look at Jacksonville, Chicago, teams that have had great defenses in the past couple of years, but haven't had that quarterback to get to the next step. You would think that those – and now, I mean, you could even factor in San Francisco giving up three first-round picks to, to take a guy that they believe will be their future. Teams will go out of their way to find a guy that can be the face of a franchise and lead them deep into the playoffs and maybe a Super Bowl. So I don't think it really affects the trade value that much. I think teams will try and talk it down because of all the allegations that are being out. But at the end of the day, if he's available, teams are still going to call. Teams are still going to offer things. And, I mean, I I would still give up multiple first-round picks to get Deshaun Watson because I think he's just that good. So, it's just me. I was going to add on really quickly, and that's coming from a, a strictly football standpoint. A lot of people um, have a tendency to, to kind of misconstrue, like, I would give up three first rounds for Deshaun Watson as like, oh, you must think he's innocent or something. They somehow correlate those two. And, and you know, 
this is one of those situations where we're just strictly talking about the player. You know, of course, it's not the, it's not one thing to say if all this aside or if this wasn't happening because that's kind of kind of you know diminishing what's going on. I don't want to do that at all. But when you look at the Sean Watson the player, that's where that standpoint is coming from. You have to be realistic with these things, and realistically, he is a top five quarterback at twenty five years old. So yeah. In, in any case, if you have an opportunity to grab that and you don't have that at your position, if you don't have a Patrick Mahomes, if you don't have a, a potential Joe Burrow or, or something like that, you know, you, you have to go get that. Absolutely. We're going to leave it right there. But we will be right back with more of the Game Plan Podcast on the other side of the break. Coming up next, we will discuss NBA trade deadline deals and the best buyout bargains as we head into the playoffs. Don't go anywhere. This is the Game Plan Podcast. Explosive. West Coast shit, my Emperor's plays a track. Girls that used to turn their back, causing me to yank their arm and pose like I would do them all. Now I'm saying thank you because they tell me my sister bomb explosive. And welcome back to the Game Plan Podcast. Alex Goodwin is my name. You can follow me on Twitter at Alex Goodwin TSM. Again, it's on Twitter at Alex Goodwin TSM. That's T as in Tacoma, S as in Seattle, M as in Maryland. Kennedy, where can they find you on Twitter? Since we're talking about basketball, you can find me on Twitter at underscore Kennedy Miller underscore. Again, that's underscore Kennedy. As in the former North Carolina basketball player Kennedy Meeks and the, and the Hall of Famer. I don't want to say former Hall of Famer. Reggie Miller underscore Kennedy Miller underscore. Aaron. You can find me on Twitter at chill underscore Bill. That is chill underscore Bill two underscores as in bill walton since we are on the top of the basketball okay hey okay okay i like it i like it all righty so as you guys have guessed we're talking about basketball this segment the nba trade deadline was on march the 25th the buyout i guess you can call it the buyout season has commenced as well a couple of high profile older players have signed to some what team do you think made the best trade or got the best bargain on the buyout market. Ken, I'll start with you. I think for what they didn't have to give up, I guess I would say the Miami Heat. Being able to get a former All-Star in Victor Oladipo for um, Avery Bradley and Kelly Olenek is, is I would say, the biggest steal of the, the trade deadline in the buyout market. Um, I, I think every contender made moves that were positive. Buckskin, P.J. Tucker, Sixers getting George Hill, Nets getting everybody. Um, the Lakers getting Andre Drummond, the Heat getting Oladipo, Clippers getting Rondo. Um, I think, and the also the Nuggets because I don't I don't want to discount them as well. Being able to get a guy like Aaron Gordon after losing a guy like Jeremy Grant, and you getting Aaron Gordon without giving up Bol Bol, Michael Porter, Will Barton, so you're able to keep that core intact. Um, I think every contender at least got a little bit better on both sides. But I think if you had to pick the best move, I think getting Oladipo for that cheap, not having to give up Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, which I would have given up in a heartbeat, by the way, but not having to give up those guys 
And and to be able to add that person in the mix with Jimmy Butler and Bam gives them a good chance to um, compete again in the Eastern Conference. So that that's my thoughts. If I had to choose a move that I really, really just love, it was it had to be the Lakers adding Andre Drummond. In a in a in a sphere of things, I guess you could say, when you have the Nuggets adding Aaron Gordon, replacing Jeremy Grant, like you said, that is huge. <laughs> that is huge to be able to keep your core and kind of upgrade essentially. Not even kind of you're definitely Absolutely. upgrading, you know. So to manage to be able to do that, that's some great finessing in the, in the front office there. But in the terms of who brings a team that much more closer to a championship, I feel like you know. Having Andre Drummond, still young, I believe he's what, 27, 28, might be younger yep. than that. And adding him to a team with LeBron James and, and, and Anthony Davis. And Andre Drummond eats boards, he eats rebounds for dinner, for lunch, breakfast, and dinner. And he can put the ball in the hoop. So you can pair that with a LeBron James and an Anthony Davis. And it makes that team that much harder to stop. Now they have two bigs on the court. One that does his job and can contain the interior, and one that's more lengthy, you know, has a little bit more flexibility to his game and can defend a little bit more around the perimeter. Then you have LeBron. <laughs> so when you have those three alone, it makes it very hard to move the ball, not to mention Schroeder and Kuzma. I think the Nets, they, everybody wants to make a big deal out of the names. LaMarcus Aldridge and, and Blake Griffin are two huge additions to a team that's already stacked. <laughs> Those guys are, let's be honest, well past their primes. Um, they're, they're not going to be adding anything that much, you know, that much, I can't think of the word substantial, I should say, to what the Nets are already going to be putting up on offense. But when you look at the Lakers, that many more rebounds, that many more stops on defense, that many more offensive rebounds and putbacks, I think that makes a huge difference. A very, very big difference. And see, Aaron, I was I was trying to not be biased because you know that's the home team over here. You know, hold on, hold on. That I, is I, not the hold on. That is not the home team. <laughs> Let, let's stop right there. Hold on, kid. That is not the damn home team. Kennedy rolls with any team that LeBron James is in their uniform. God damn it! Like let's just let let's just say that. I, I, now that I've cleared that up, proceed. I will. Ne- I will. Neither agree nor disagree to Alex's point, <laughs> but <laughs> I do think I, I do agree with those points. And then they signed Ben McLemore today. The Lakers did, um, which adds some perimeter shooting because that's something that they were lacking. I think it's a collision course between the Lakers and the Nets in the finals. I do think teams on both sides will have arguments. I don't think they'll just sweep through either side. I think the Nets will have to deal with uh, a Milwaukee. A, a Philadelphia, a Miami. I think the Lakers are going to have to deal with Denver. Um, they're going to have to deal with the Clippers with a point guard in Rajon Rondo. Um, but I think when you look at those two teams getting Andre Drummond, people have their reservations about him as far as just being a stat stuffer and just getting empty stats. But you have to think now he's in a different role. He's with LeBron and AD like you brought up. AD is a guy that can mask his flaws and he can mask AD's flaws. It's the same thing when we got Montrez Harrell. I feel like Montrez is a guy that plays hard, takes charges. He's somebody you can use in a regular season because he plays so hard night in and night out. But he does have flaws. And AD masks those flaws. He can't shoot the three. He can't protect the rim. Well, those are things that AD can do. And so 
Um, I think this Lakers team, I told Alex when we were doing the podcast around when the NBA season was starting, I felt like this was the deepest team that LeBron James has ever been a part of. And getting Andre Drummond, getting a Ben McLemore, I'm interested to see how he's going to fit, maybe get some minutes when KCP is not hitting threes. Um, Alex knows I, I didn't used to be high on KCP at all. He hated but, KCP <laughs> for the longest. Oh, my God. But, but he he, he, he's, he, he's grown on me now. He's grown on me now. So, you know, he's another guy that helps our perimeter shooting, and I think um, I'm just excited for these NBA playoffs to go and hopefully everybody's healthy for it because I think, like I said, every contender tried to address a need and I think they got better. And so when the playoffs come around, I think it's just going to be very interesting to see teams play four out of seven series and see who comes out on top. I'll say this very, very briefly. I think like the Lakers pickup of Drummond will definitely help them. And, you know, number one, because I do not trust Anthony Davis to stay healthy. I just don't. Like, last year was the first time Anthony Davis was able to, to stay healthy and play essentially a full season, right? Like, minus any major injuries that kept him out for three, four weeks or longer, right? So, not Anthony Davis is back on his regular scheduled program of being hurt for four to five weeks at a time. You like a guy like Andre Drummond can step in if you need him to. And if and when Anthony Davis is back and he's fully healthy, Andre Drummond can be held for anybody's second unit to deal with. But Andre Drummond is also somebody you can put out on the court with LeBron and Anthony Davis in the last six or seven minutes of a ball game in winning time. Right. Correct. So he's definitely somebody I think was the biggest addition I think, can we just take a collective second to laugh at the Houston Rockets? Can we do that? <laughs> like, uh, essentially, what they got back in that James Harden trade, they rerouted to the Miami Heat for a subway coupon and a Section 8 housing voucher. Yo, whatever, however many first-round picks that they got in that trade, and they got a plethora of them, those dudes better turn into something. Them dudes had better turn in to some real deal bona fide ballers. Otherwise, this trade looks really, really bad. Like almost as bad as the time when the Cavaliers traded Kyrie Irving for Isaiah, what it was like Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas and Jay Crown. Yeah. And then they traded Jay Crown in the middle of the season for like Larry Nance. Yep. Yeah, this trade looks really bad right now. So they better pray to the high heavens or to whoever Tillman Fertitta's broke-ass prays to that they can draft and develop a couple of players. They better pray they get Cade Cunningham or Jalen Suggs or Correct. somebody. Correct. I'll, let, I'll let Aaron go before I unleash for the final time on the Rockets and the Miami Heat. Go ahead, Aaron. Man, <laughs> um, yeah, listen. I just want to say that the whole city of Houston is has to be hurting right now. If you're a sports fan in Houston, this has to suck in general. This, this there's nowhere you turn where there's a bright spot going on right now. But man, the handling of the front office for the Houston Rockets—it's it, like it's like knowing you had an exam, one exam, the whole year, and you did not study until the last week. That, that's essentially, and, and the results that would come out of that is essentially what we're seeing 
from the Houston Rockets. It's an abomination what they're trying to pretend that they're out there doing. And honestly, if as a fan, I would be frustrated because it's like, well, well screw us, huh? Want to watch you guys do well. You guys just don't care about that at all because clearly this is just monopoly money to you all. Last thing, last thing, and then we can go, Alex. As a Houston native, I I like James Harden a lot. He asked for a trade. I'm a person that's like, okay, if a person doesn't want to be here, let's trade him. Let's also weigh out the value, though. Like, if, he, if we're not getting anything good enough, we don't need to trade him. It was speculated that you were getting different sets of deals. If I'm Houston, I would be like if I'm if I was just a diehard Houston fan, I would be so sick to my stomach right now that I did not have Ben Simmons, Tyrese Maxey, and some picks. Because what I just got, first of all, what you got wasn't bad, but what you did with it was horrendous. You had Karis LeVert and Jared Allen, but you didn't like Jared Allen and Christian Wood lining up next to each other, and then you dealt Jared Allen to Cleveland, and then you dealt uh, Karis LeVert to Indiana for Victor Oladipo, who's on a one-year deal, who's been speculated all year to want to go to Miami. He comes to Houston. He still echoes that same sentiment. So now you have to trade him for cheap, because why would Miami give up a lot if I can just get him in the summer? And then, on the flip side of that, if I'm Miami or Philadelphia, and because I heard from Philadelphia that Tyrese Maxey was kind of the holding up point in the trade. And for Miami, Tyler Hero was the holding up point in the trade. I'm going to tell you this. Tyler Hero ain't that damn good. Because this is the second time, and this is my last rant and I'm done for the night. But I've heard two times since the beginning of the season, potential deals for the Heat have been held up because they don't want to give up Tyler Hero. Tyler Hero ain't that damn good. I'm, gonna th- I, I'm just going to say it again. If you had an opportunity to get Jam- James Harden, Jimmy Butler, and Bam Adebayo on the same team after you just made the finals, but you don't want to give up on t- Tyler Hero, and if you had a chance to get Kyle Lowry and Victor Oladipo with Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo for a team that just made the finals, but you don't want to give up on Tyler Hero, Pat Riley, you off your damn rocker. You done lost your damn mind. And it's okay because it happens to all of us. We all get old. But, Pat, it's time for you to step down if you're that high on Tyler Hero. Because I, 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 I don't get it. I don't. They better hope that they compete with the Nets. Okay? They better hope that the Nets just don't come through and 4-0 sweep everybody on their way to the finals. Because if they do, I'm going to be looking at Pat Riley. Pat, you're, you're off your damn rocker. Because you could have avoided all this. And got James in Houston because you had the best assets. That's it. That's it. I, I, could, I could go more, but I, I'm, I'm holding it back in. All right. And we're going to leave it right there because we are out of time here today on the Game Plan Podcast. Kennedy Miller, once again, I appreciate you for joining us. Where can they find you on Twitter? You can find me on Twitter at underscore Kennedy Miller underscore. It's underscore Kennedy with a Y, not an I. The Y is the special one. Underscore Kennedy Miller underscore. Aaron, my man. Yes, sir. Where can they find you on Twitter? You guys can find me at chill underscore bill two underscore. That's again, chill as in chill out 
one underscore Gil, as in Gil Parcells, two underscores. All right, all right. You can find me on Twitter at Alex Goodwin TSM. Again, it's on Twitter at Alex Goodwin TSM. T as in tacos, S as in sangria, M as in margaritas. For Kennedy and Aaron, my name is Alex. You have been listening to the Game Plan Podcast. We will see you guys next time.